0: Mike, Mike, and Huffman. <laughs>
1: we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here for another Oscar race checkpoint as we prepare to get on our high horses and then run down a bunch of titles for a bunch of festival names. This episode, Michael.
0: Yeah, Toronto and Venice have announced their film festival lineups. Uh, It does appear as if these film festivals are going to proceed. So we will take a break from Barbenheimer. Just a a small Mm -hmm. break. I mean, next episode (laughs) we'll probably be back with the Barbenheimer. Mm -hmm. Or what's next? I mean, I I, I don't know. I've been tweeting out a lot about it, obnoxiously so. (laughs) I've seen it, yeah. I was like Turtleheimer (laughs) or Begbie or Oppenbirdle or Meg to me or, like, talk to Meeg. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, these Funkle jokes got to fly.
1: what's What's been your favorite one that you've come up with?
0: Uh, Talk to Meek. Okay, that's good. I I think that's the one one I want to do as well because I'm craving a Talk to Me rewatch and I want to see Meg 2. But I've also seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and loved it. Mm. So if if there's a way to work in all three, I would. uh, But I haven't figured
1: that out yet. My brain hasn't gone there yet. There is an odd. We were just talking about this. There is like a lull in the schedule here. You have Meg 2, but. As far as like anything notable coming out after that, Strays, maybe? Blue well, Beetle, I guess, on the 18th? There's stuff we want
0: to see, but there's yeah. just not like this Oscar movie lineup because Challengers and, you know, uh, we just went through these three movies, and I forget them now. Challengers, Poor Things, and Runaway Dolls. Runaway Dolls, thank you. All three mm-hmm. left. And now we're like, September, what are we doing? We're planning all these specials, and we have these guests, and we're, we're we're we got half baked ideas, and we also have Oscar's checkpoints covering these festivals. So I mean, we're good with Oscar's checkpoints covering these festivals. You know, like one a week, but we gotta we gotta fill that second episode every week. So do we do a whole week for Route sixty, the biblical highway, coming out September eighteenth?
1: <laughs> I mean, Equalizer rewatch series. I didn't even know. I was stunned to see. The Equalizer 3 is coming out September 1st.
0: My Big Fat Greek Wedding has a third yeah. film coming yeah. out. We've yeah. already done Conjuring Universe. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to see these movies. I just, I'm surprised no, You do that, not want
1: to see My Big, Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. No, you don't. Yeah, I've watched Big, Don't lie to our Big fans. Fat 2. I watched Big Fat 2. It was, it was all right. What part of Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 made you clamor to want to see a sequel? Uh, I, don't, I can't remember, but the <laughs> yeah, <exactly>.
0: the decor.
1: <laughs> Sit here and lie to me, before God
0: and our the fans. The food they have great <laughs> food shots in my big fat Greek weddings, don't they? The baklava. Hell this yes, is going to be a thing, isn't it? You are going to actually see this movie, despite me now. Mike, I see every movie. I have a subscription service, but
1: why? But that doesn't mean you have to.
0: It does because I am a hollow <laughs> shell,
1: and I need to fill this hollow shell. Like I get aggravated when I see great movies that have a poor 20 minute stretch. Uh-huh. Never mind poor movies.
0: We have ter- you have turned into Dennis and I have turned into <laughs> Mac somehow. I don't know. Like you are in the news oh slash asshole! <laughs> and I am, I'm Charlie right mm. now. I'm just happy with anything. I'm happy with whatever I find. Or remember the nuts episode? <laughs> Just a bucket they, of chestnuts. Are they fancy nuts? Oh, my God. It, I was dying. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about? We have, like, 74 movies to get into. But first, we have to yell at Italians, don't we? Because we're yeah, very angry well, with them.
1: Yeah. let's. Uh, I guess we could start with trying to ruin your good mood softly and then we'll do it more <laughs> hardcore uh we have news and catch up about strikes and mm. schedule shifts and stuff like that ann thompson dropped an article earlier last week maybe it even been the week before at this point talking about how strikes could affect the fall film festivals the emmys on top of that officially postponed their date uh they have not announced a new date but there will be no emmys taking place on september 18th as was originally scheduled will film festivals be moved i you know Tell you're right and Venice are probably safe. It's probably too late in the calendar to move them. I wouldn't be shocked to see something like TIFF be called off or turned online or canceled or something as a result of this strike, but you don't think that's going to happen, Mike?
0: It's like the biggest one, though, right? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't the bigger one be harder to move?
1: But because it's the bigger one, don't they have more of a reliance on red carpet and meet-and-greets and the tourism aspect of seeing stars? They all do. Yeah.
0: They all do. I mean, if anything, Venice is is pretty contingent on that I Amongst think other things I yeah good God I think Venice <laughs> and I think tiff uh, we're gonna go through this this lineup they have a lot of actors who are actually directors who may be coming anyway or trying to get mm-hmm. waivers and then there's a lot like New York they have an a24 centerpiece they have a neon closing night film maybe those stars can go regardless and then they have a New York You know, Treasure, like Todd Haynes, opening the things up. I don't know. I think the festivals are getting creative. They're going to try to get as much personnel there. And I think they're going forward. I don't think they're going to be able to move it. We saw a couple years back, I forget what happened in the world. There was some big... Kind of sweeping event, and I, I can't remember what it was, but I mean, they had to move those festivals, and it took them forever. And they dragged their feet for the longest time. It was like a month, but you know they're staring down the barrel of the festival, and they finally would move it. You know, yeah. I don't
1: know. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, regardless, that any movement would happen, even it, though it seems like it probably will not happen, but it would happen as a result of the strike. And if anything you read or listen to, it seems like this strike is pretty secure to happen and last until at least the winter months. Certainly the WGA strike, maybe the SAG one too, but it seems like at least one of the gills is going to be uh, lingering out there for in the strike land until winter, maybe even New Year's, and that, we'll see what kind of effect that has on film festivals. We'll see what kind of effect that has on award shows. Uh, if, Like I said, the Emmys are eyeing right now a January 2024 date according to Variety, but uh, NPR had White Bear PR, a representative from White Bear PR, which is a firm representing a couple musicians who are Emmy-nominated, and they are speaking out against the Emmys being put in the January time slot because they fear how the Television Academy's big night would do squarely in the middle of what is movie award season. They don't want to go face to face. They don't want to go head to head with what is, uh, you know, historically the movie awards voting period and, and precursor time. Mm. And this kind of brings up all sorts of questions anyway. I mean, what will the awards landscape look like if a strike isn't resolved until 2024, what film festivals or promotional events get pushed or canceled along the way? There was supposed to be, uh, the, a big musical number on the today show promoting, uh, uh, What's the camp movie coming out? That, uh, theater the, camp. The theater camp. Yes, they were supposed to do like a big uh, a big number on the Today Show that had to get canceled. I'm sure there's other events going around. What are those cancellations? How are those going to affect the campaigning of these movies and the promotion of these movies? And then there's the the fact that something like White Bear PR, like what agencies and what are the PR firms going to do? Are they just going to sit by or are they going to start pressuring their clients to maybe? push to accept a lesser deal against their own interests so they can get back to work a lot of moving parts obviously with these strikes Bellany
0: on the town was uh interesting in the last episode because he was talking about how these strikes may actually boost the boutiques like A24 and and Neon because they may be able to get talent to work for them more often and uh, that they, they may get a raised profile if if the film festival season is open to them in terms of them promoting their films and mm-hmm. every, nobody else being allowed to. And there are stipulations with that. I mean, Neon and A24 and, and even Lionsgate, et cetera, they have to abide by the terms of the deal, the quote-unquote fair deal that SAG-AFTRA is pushing for. And SAG-AFTRA is only giving or rumored to be giving them waivers uh, if they abide by those terms that the AMPTP right. will not abide by. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going around in SAG. There's a lot of debate, apparently, where they're trying to figure out if this is good for them, if they should move forward with this. Does that put more pressure on these these uh, big studios? I got the acronym right for once, but I dare not try it again. <laughs> so, so does, like, do the PR firms, I mean, who's getting more pressure? like you're saying like the, yeah. the, you're talking about the reverse pressure but I do think the studios it sounds like they're good for a little bit here and they're starting to move stuff off the September calendar but it's bad it's it's really lousy if stuff gets moved off the October calendar now we're looking at a cluster you know what for for Oscars we're look we're certainly looking at a barren box office per- period after Barbenheimer has boosted us a right. tremendous amount, and you're going to squander all of that goodwill. And I think you got a couple other good movies coming down the pike here with Turtles and Talk to Me, etc. That people are—I mean—that's momentum. That's people having a good time at the movies, wanting to have a better time, ta- a good time at the next yeah. movie, at the next movie, at the next movie. And film festivals—if you have a good time at the last film festival, you go to the next one. I want to have a good time. I want to eat burgers and drink Guinness and have a good time. Damn it! Yeah. What's I, going on? I mean-
1: Your lips to God's ears And it's a a waste of momentum too Like you were alluding to I think AMC I read Had their best week ever In the 103 year history Of the theater chain It's great uh, As a result of uh, Barbenheimer there And now they got to kind of You know know, The schedule The release schedule Is what it is at this point We already commented on it
0: But instead We have Film festival directors Left to their worst devices Because they have (laughs) All of these slots To fill now And who do they fill it with well, Woody Allen has Coupe de Chance. The Palace from Roman Polanski is going to play out of competition at Venice. And Dogman by Luc Besson will play in competition. Now, clearly, we, we, we can't necessarily group these guys together, but there is one word. It starts with R and it ends with E that each man has been either accused of or
1: admitted to. Well, they're... I mean, we can't group them together in that they are have been alleged to do horrible things. Horrible things. Horrible sexual predators. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're allegations, and yes, I mean, and Lord knows, and Alberto Barbara makes that clear, they're only allegations, but let's get yeah, into Yeah, for it two out of the them. three, one
0: guy yeah. admitted it, fled the country, all right, we'll get in there, go right, ahead. Right,
1: all right, so, um, yeah, we do have this, this triumvirate of, uh, we'll call them controversial male director's who are admitted into the Venice Film Festival, and two of them will play out of competition, Luke Besson's film will play in competition, but all three of them will have their movies playing in Venice. I mean, first things first, my cynical brain here is, okay, this is Venice saying... You know, we do have all these slots to fill, and we want—we don't know what A-list stars will or will not show up to our red carpet. So we want to ensure that we're talked about and our name stays in the the headlines of the trades. This is one way to do it. It's gross, but it's not above Venice. If you know anything about Venice, I mean, Venice has been the controversial film festival. If you don't think that's at least played into some calculation as to why they're doing this, I I don't think you've been following because this is strictly within Venice's purview, at least in the last decade or so since we've been following it closely.
0: Yeah, I uh, Alberto Barrera has had some gross things to say. I don't no. even want to read
1: it. Do you really want me to read it? I'll, I'll read it if you want me to read it. Please. I mean, well, uh, you, you you do what you want, but here's the setup to it basically. I'll I'll buy you a little time here to yeah. you make your decision. Alberto Barrera is the Venice director and he's always in the, uh, the eye of this storm here and whether he's, you know, letting in these films from these alleged monsters into the film festival or whether he's uh giving these canned responses as to why his film festival always happens to skew against uh, films made by female directors or helmed by female talent. Nonetheless, he did give an interview with Nick Vivarelli of Variety, and he explained that, well, his stance is letting in these three movies from these three controversial figures because of basically a binary calculation on his part that says, look, these guys aren't in jail and they've been acquitted or at least admitted to their wrongdoings decades ago.
0: All right, so uh, the, these are Alberto Barrera's words. Luke Besson has been recently fully cleared of any accusations. Woody Allen went under legal scrutiny scrutiny twice at the end of the 90s and was absolved. With them, I don't see where the issue is. Again, this is all Barrera. <laughs> In Polanski's case, it's paradoxical. It's been 60 years. Polanski has admitted his responsibility he's asked to be forgiven he's been forgiven by the victim the victim has asked for the issue to be put to rest i think that to keep beating on polanski means seeking a scapegoat for other situations that would deserve more attention oh all right yeah i can i can go no <laughs> further yeah, oh so so actually uh holding him accountable for raping a 13 year old girl a 7th grade girl
1: yeah it, i mean it's a, a ludicrous explanation, right? Just because, just
0: because she's, quote-unquote, forgiven him now, after he fled, after he yeah. fled justice, after he's lied, cheated, and stolen budgets from other deserving filmmakers, but he gets the right to tell his story, his story, his way, on his terms. And and he he gets to have his career and his platform, and he gets to be showcased and promoted. By Venice and other yeah. film festivals. By the Caesar Awards.
1: Yeah. Which, uh, I mean... Admitted uh, who admitted Who was the actress who, who ran out of there in and, and protest when he won? And good Adele Hanel. Yeah. Portrait of a lady on fire there. Great for her. Um, all right. Look, the lawyer side of me wants to come out and say, factually, what he said here for the most part, is true. Woody Allen did undergo legal scrutiny twice and was absolved at the end of the 90s. Blansky did admit to it. That's fine. Here's the problem. I, I, uh, I mean, here's another thing absol- about
0: Woody Allen. He married his stepdaughter after right. raising her for 10 years.
1: Gross. Gross. So, gross. Here, And this is what I'm getting to. Like, this is not a legal binary thing, and Alberto Barbara knows that. It's not, well, they're not in jail so everything's okay. That means they're innocent. Well, obviously, I mean, look, one of the issues central to the Me Too movement was the reluctance of victims to speak out against their abusers at all because such accusations seldom ever do lead to convictions, whether due to star power in deep pockets of the accusee, statute of limitation issues having run their course, lack of tangible evidence to present to a court or a jury anyway. There's a billion reasons why people have refused to speak out and these issues never even make it to a courtroom. And, I mean, Barbara knows that. So, to act like this is a, a black and white issue, well, the court system said that these guys don't belong in jail right now and they're not in jail, so that's fine. It's a, just, just say you want to make headlines. And I mean, even further than that, if you truly do believe, if you're Barbara and you truly, truly do believe your explanations, like, I wouldn't let any of them in, obviously, if I'm running a film festival, no way. But let one of them in if that's your inclination. To let all three of them in is purposeful. How do they get budgets? how do they, how are they making movies at how this point? how do they point? get distribution how do they get distribution that was a a point that the variety i think it was variety anyway at this point made, the point that they made was that these guys have an easier time getting distribution going through the international channels why is there still a market for them out there
0: because people don't believe uh, that they've done wrong they don't under, they don't know the facts of the situation fact of the, i mean the polanski and woody allen facts or that one of them married their stepdaughter and the other one <laughs> admitted to, to sex was a 13-year-old girl. <sighs> Those are the facts, people. Yeah. So, so why do they have a platform now? Why? Haven't we gone far enough to understand that they should not have a platform? They should not be telling moral uh, uh, stories. They, they should not be... I mean, it, look, at if they had... If they had gone through the justice system, and you want to talk about forgiveness after rehabilitation, that would be a different scenario. And we, we could debate that, at well, least. Well, that's
1: part of this, too, is that I don't, I, you know, and I'm, I don't remember anything coming from Woody Allen being apologetic.
0: No, cause he Or taking
1: accountability. I mean, and I that could be I, I don't know. I haven't the but... most apologetic he's been is
0: through his films trying to justify right. what he's done. <laughs> right. Watch Manhattan, watch his last 30 films. It's probably in every other movie where the the the, the, the character, the main character's done something despicable and gets away so if with these
1: it. these are Mia Culpa press tours, that's one thing, but this is you know, this is enabling essentially. It's enabling that's exactly what it is and you, you
0: would have hoped that the me too movement i mean it's not that it's the me too movement's fault but it's you would have hoped that after the me too movement you know the, these festival directors would not allow would not it would not even get near these people with a 10-foot pole and yet here Can we, we have
1: are. some criticism in the trades too towards Ven- i mean how many times is venice going to get away with doing stuff like this Every year we talk about how controversial Venice is and why, the, and how many issues there are attached to it. Do we not?
0: Well, we talk about that they've been male dominated. They they really don't have a lot of female directors involved. They have never had, uh, they've never had a black filmmaker until Ava DuVernay's selection this year in competition. Jesus Christ! I didn't even might, know that. Which is Golden Globe level racist. I, so
1: Good God, well, well, I mean, how do? I- <laughs> What? Why is this still one? of How the, do these people have jobs? How is this the we got to point the finger at is. the at the at some of the the coverage of Venice too? Because this is you know you can't once twice you, how many times until it's shame on us? How
0: yeah. many issues
1: does it need to be? You know, well, I mean, I like, think people like I
0: mean you and I are ignorant to an extent. I didn't know that fact. Oh, but. I'm
1: I'm pointing. I'm blaming us as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like Maybe that's what I said. How you know? How many times do we have to cover this stuff before we're like, wow, we should be a lot harsher against these guys? So, no, it's it's a it's a disgrace.
0: It's an absolute disgrace. And <sighs> and now we uh, we're gonna do the rest of an episode preview. I think, but look, I mean, I think we're gonna talk about more Tiff than we are Venice. I think it's all under a cloud of will the stars be there or not? But yeah, we we got to look at Venice under. Under new new eyes now, where yeah, yeah, what what is the impact that the Venice Film Festival is going to have going forward if this leadership is
1: putting forth this group of filmmakers within these subliminal messages attached to them by doing by you know absolving them essentially, but what, well, I, trying you know, to is trying to trying to normalize. Yeah. Um, so not that it's you know how do you let's transition smoothly from that. Um, it's impossible to, but we're gonna. We still do have the rest of an episode to do, like you said. And the Barbara interview also did touch on. I mean, leaving the sexual allegation stuff aside, not that you ever can, but there were other things talked about in that interview that do uh, hold bearing with regards to the strikes and the film festivals and film promotion this year under the uh, the loom the looming strikes that are happening, the ongoing strikes. Uh, Barbara did shine some light in that Variety interview about his expectations for actors to appear in Venice to promote their films despite the ongoing sag strike. He mentioned in no uncertain terms that the stars of Maestro, Poor Things, and The Killer would certainly not be at the film festival. Obviously, Poor Things has since moved, but nonetheless, uh, those being big streamer and big studio films, he would not expect anyone there, anyone affiliated with those films to make it. Though he did mention that Bradley Cooper being a director, uh, he might show up and and as uh, Barbara put it, quote, do the right thing, which is, again, I think that fits well for the type of person we think Barbara is. Shaping yeah, you up know, to you
0: know what size he's on. You know yeah. who he's rooting for in this whole old deal. But Bradley Cooper's not going to go, right? Didn't we hear that. So a lot of these filmmakers are just not going to go uh, for those reasons, and I, you know, you, we could see that be a trend. The problem mm-hmm. is for these indie films. You know, will these indie films survive? Will they be able to uh, make money down the line if they're not promoted at a festival? I mean, and those... he,
1: he he said as much, too. He said the stars of the the likes of Ferrari, Origin, Priscilla, they may actually come to Venice in the film festival because he, it's his understanding that they those stars are asking SAG for waivers to appear at Venice right now due to those films being on the indie status. And now, I mean, the question arises that it brings up a whole new batch of questions. Does that impact, hurt the strike's cause if those stars actually do show up? Does it strengthen the strike's cause because they're able to be on a red carpet and talk about the strike to the press, et cetera, et cetera? Now, I don't know what Neon's deal for
0: Ferrari was, but I know that Ferrari was a $90 million budget for Michael Mann, the Adam Driver film. Neon has is, is gotten it a uh, closing night uh, spot at the New York Film Festival, and Ferrari is going to Venice as well. That's a movie I can see getting promoted by its stars if, if, if it's going with uh, a production company and with a distributor that is, you is know, non-struck. I can mm-hmm. I can see that, and I can see, like Bellany said, this putting some pressure on the studios, the AMPTP, I got it right again. Yeah, look at you. It could put some pressure on the studios because... Look, if Neon's swimming in the $90 million budget pool now, whatever the deal was...
1: What makes them an indie at this point?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well, what's their next project going to be? Yeah. You know, their next big project could be a very big project. Right. So you never know. I mean, this could this could be competition for these studios, for these struck companies down the line, where ne- the Neons and the A24s and the Lionsgates could be getting stronger and they could be getting weaker.
1: We'll see. I don't want to blame, you know, my expectation is that Jacob Elordi will show up on the Venice red carpet and speak ill about Saturday. <laughs> Come on,
0: Jacob Elordi. <laughs> How did you turn this into Jacob I just
1: want to, you know, well, I mean, they, look, they brought up Priscilla, not me, so I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: All right, we got to get into the opening and closing night selections,
1: a.k.a. the marquee spots for these festivals, Michael. So the TIFF opening nighter will be the boy and the heron from Studio Ghibli, uh, G kids and Hayao Miyazaki, he's he, he's got to hate that he's the opener. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he doesn't want anything. Everything I read, he just wants <laughs> like he wants to make this movie and have nobody see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, <you're, laughs> that's pretty funny. So you're like a title and a poster and yeah. then a release. That's all. That's it. <laughs> he wants, but Hayao Miyazaki's got. Uh, a, a title, a poster, and a
1: premise now, and you're right, a marquee spot at the Toronto <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> Through encounters with his friends and uncle, the story follows a teenage boy's psychological development. He enters a magical world with a talking gray heron after finding an abandoned tower in his new town. Yeah, so it Sounds like a Miyazaki premise.
0: Par for the course. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, four reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, all 100% fresh. Uh, Emma Steen of Time Out says, Miyazaki's latest film stands as a testament to his enduring legacy It's a mature, complex masterpiece, the M-word there, weaving together the director's past, present, and future, a beautiful enigma that promises to be worth the wait. A lot of praise. Otherwise, the box office is a little bit confusing. We have Japan, uh, after about 17 days of release, the gross landing at $25.5 Now, you would think that would be good, except when you look at the wind rises from 2013... That movie did forty-four million after two weeks, hundred and thirty-one million worldwide, hundred nineteen million in Japan. You can go back to Panyo and How's Moving Moving Castle; those those films did even better. Uh, I in would love Japan. to
1: see the comparative uh, marketing budgets for those films versus this one. <laughs> I'm serious, like that. I mean, there's got to be, you know.
0: Well, it's more than nothing. I mean, we could probably have <laughs> paid for. Like you, you and me probably could have taken our bank accounts, put it together, <laughs> paid for someone to draw,
1: make a poster. Right, I'm just saying. Like, there's a guy came out and said, "Don't you dare tell anyone this movie is coming out." <laughs> well, uh, I guess uh, Studio
0: Ghibli is uh, now forcing him to do some promotion, so he's going to Toronto, and hopefully it'll it'll do well. I'm I'm excited to see that. We'll move on to Venice's opening night film, which is replacing Luca Guadagnino's Challengers. Commandante, uh, the World War II film about Salvatore Todaro, uh, captain of the Capellini. He leads in his own way. The bow is reinforced with steel. In the off chance, an opportunity to ram a ship arises. Nice. His crew is armed with daggers should a hand-to-hand battle occur. So, that sounds
1: like the outlining of a board game, much less a, a movie. Yeah.
0: Are they celebrating this fascist uh, commandante <laughs> or are they criticizing him? We shall see. Well, Is it's it, going to Venice. It's so going to, to Venice. Give you one guess. It's opening the festival.
1: <laughs> Let's see what happens there. Society of the Snow is going to be the closer from Netflix at Venice. We'll see if this one has anything to do with embracing fascism. This is directed by (laughs) J.A.
0: No, don't put that on my man, Juan Antonio. I I (laughs) will.
1: J.A. Bayona of The Orphanage, The Impossible, Monster Calls, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdoms, and Rings of Power. Society of the Snow is an upcoming survival thriller film about the Uruguayan 1972 Andes flight disaster. The film is an adaptation of the book The Snow Society, The Definitive Account of the world's greatest survival story by Pablo Vierci, which documents accounts of all 16 survivors of the crash, many of whom Vierci knew from childhood. The cast is composed of Uruguayan and Argentine actors, most of whom are newcomers. That's off Wikipedia there.
0: So Jay Bayona, he has done Jurassic World's Rings of Powering of late, and I'm glad that he's kind of coming back maybe in an ellipses to uh not an ellipses what a parabola i think a parabola uh, anyway he's coming back to like the. you ask me
1: these questions mid-thought and I, as if i have any idea where you're going with it in the opening part of his career he
0: did horror films and then he did a disaster movie the impossible with uh naomi watts correct uh-huh yes so maybe he's Working his way back to horror movies is my hope because I love the right. orphan. I will co-sign. That's a full thought. Good and job this on you. seems to be uh, <laughs> quite the disaster movie. Uh, the is true is story.
1: it alive? Uh, the the who was it? Frank Marshall from like nineteen ninety or something? The old Ethan Hawke movie. Wasn't this? Th- didn't this already have a uh, a full feature length? Uh... I have no idea. I think it did, if I'm remembering correctly. I could. Are, be, are I could they be
0: biting? Uh, they're biting people,
1: eating people in this one. I I thought that's what the again i could be wrong could be a different disaster this is uh you yeah, we're not an oscars film podcast. <laughs> i, I don't know I, I, I really don't know anything about yeah. this but uh
0: yeah maybe you're right maybe it's a combination it was the uruguayan football team or rugby team or something maybe but, it's yeah. a combination of uh horror movies and disaster films it's both yeah. it's a parabola like you said
1: parabola i think that's correct All right, (laughs) we got some carryovers from Sundance and Cannes. So let's talk about the movies that are playing uh, both TIFF and Sundance that premiered at Sundance earlier this year. Uh, We have the Wall Street Thriller Fair Play. That's also from Netflix as well. We have a musical from Apple, Flora and Sun. Those are both going to get gala presentations at TIFF and we've talked, I remember years past, talking about what kind of the the galas are at TIFF and they're just Mm -hmm. basically special events promoting the single film. So in other words, Miyazaki will not Stand by and have one.
0: <laughs> or uh, it's just drawings of herons and a parade of, of herons and fo- just surrounding him.
1: He leaves early, and there's nothing but black shown on the movie screen for 90 minutes.
0: Oh no. <laughs> We got some Cannes Film Festival carryovers <laughs> as well here, Michael.
1: The Palme d'Or winner, Palme d'Or, excuse me, winner. I, it's pronunciation. Thank you, to our listener, for correcting me. The Palme d'Or winner, Anatomy of a Fall, from Justine Trier, starring Sandra Ulaire, Uh That's going to be playing as well. The Grand Prix winner at Cannes, The Zone of Interest, that from Jonathan Glazer, that's also going to be playing at TIFF, as it did earlier, from Cannes. And both those movies, also, we've talked about numerous times already. Oscar buzz attached to both of those
0: Four Daughters, which took uh, documentary prizes at both Cannes and Munich, is going to TIFF. As well as one more uh, Cannes award winner, this one of the queer palm, Hirokazu Koreeda's Monster. Uh, otherwise, Kate Blanchett stars in the Australian film The New Boy. Josh O'Connor is starring in La Caméra*, And there's also a special presentation of Catherine Brylett's last summer going to TIFF by way of Cannes. Now, oddly enough, I did not notice any canned films also heading to Venice. Those two seem to have a rivalry. You don't Uh, think Woody
1: Allen's going to be playing Tiff?
0: Woody Allen is not playing Tiff, as far as I know, unless that's announced in the coming. Because, like, Tiff's got more announcements to come but uh, like the midnight section will come out any minute now probably while we're recording but uh, yeah. yeah we we got some films that are playing both Tiff and Venice
1: though Michael we'll start with The Beast that's directed by Bertrand Bonello stars Lea Seydoux and George McKay <clears throat> <laughs> look at this premise <laughs> In the near future, where emotions have become a threat, Gabriel finally decides to purify her DNA in a machine that will immerse her in her previous lives and rid her of any strong feelings. She then meets Lewis and feels a powerful connection as if she has known him forever, a melodrama crossed by the genre, which unfolds over three distinct periods, 1910, 2014, and 2044. Did
0: the late, great Rick James write that premise what am i gonna do just grind my feet in somebody's couch i got more sense than that yeah i remember grinding my feet on eddie murphy's couch and then they rewind it she has no way of having strong emotions. And then she meets Louis and feels a powerful connection immediately. What are we talking about? Look, I would watch Leia Seydoux and George McKay just stand next to the grass and have the grass grow for two hours. But this is one cock
1: of shit premise right here. My God. <laughs> Just nonsense, man. (laughs) Hollywood keeps making the same movies over and
0: over. (laughs) We got Hitman. Hitman is uh, coming from director Richard Linklater. Hitman follows Gary Johnson, a staff investigator who plays the role of a hitman to catch individuals ordering a hit. Hitman stars Glenn Powell of Top Gun Maverick. set it up. And, of course, Richard Linklater and Powell have already teamed up uh, with Everybody Wants Some. So I'm excited for Hitman.
1: That's a weird premise, too. A staff investigator who plays the role of a hitman to catch individuals ordering a hit. So he's not a hitman. Nah. Just a faker. Very misleading title there. Memory, <laughs> uh, directed by Michael Franco, is next. That's Jessica Chastain, Peter Sarsgaard, Merritt Weaver, and Elsie Fisher. A love-struck couple attempt to build a relationship while dealing with trauma and dementia. Good God. So I've
0: never seen a Michel, F- a Michel Franco. Frank. Michel? Michel? Frank. I think.
1: Yeah, I called him Michael, but there's no way there. You're right. Uh,
0: part of it is because of the hot water he got himself in a couple years ago in Mexico. People have accused this film New Order of being classist and racist. And he then accused the criticism of being reverse racism mm. against white Mexicans. And then he immediately apologized for that and apparently his second film was like one of the most depressing movies ever made in the last decade <laughs> Sundown so I've just like avoided this guy's work but I I I know he's done something right to get Jessica Chastain Merritt Weaver and
1: Elsie Fisher
0: on board here right with Peter yeah. Sarsgaard
1: it's a pretty, pretty loaded cast certainly yeah
0: I maybe they're so. just
1: four unhappy people <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
0: Uh, otherwise, we got some notable films just going to Venice. Obviously, the cloud is hanging over them, but let's talk about them.
1: All right, the Venice uh, competition. competition. I was gonna say I was gonna say exceptions, but it's exclusives was the word I was looking for there. There you go. Ferrari its going to lead us off. We talked about this one a bunch already. Uh, Writer-director Michael Mann returns with his biopic of Italian sports car entrepreneur Enzo Ferrari. Adam Driver stars alongside Penelope Cruz, Shailene Woodley, Jack O'Connell, Barry Gaydon, and Patrick Dempsey of Grey's Anatomy. A bunch of Italian actors with a lot of rarely Italian, beautiful-sounding names here. (laughs) Neon has the rights to uh, a Ferrari. They acquired it from STX, and the film is set for a Christmas Day release date here.
0: Yeah, I'm rooting for it. I'm excited for it to come into New York. I hope Venice doesn't ruin that for me. (laughs) El Conde is directed by Pablo Lorraine of No, Neruda, Jackie Spencer. That is coming to Netflix. Uh, It centers on Augusto Pinochet, who is not dead, but an aged vampire. After living 250 years in this world, he has decided to die once and for all. Of course, Pablo Lorraine made Emma. He's made Jackie Spencer. Good God, he's made some intense films. And now he's taking one of the most demonized, horrible dictators in the history of his country and turning him into a character vampire, a a vampire (laughs) character. (laughs) So I don't know if if I'm like a quote-unquote fan of this dude, Lorraine's movies, but every single one of them is appointment viewing. And this seems gonzo.
1: Was Venice the film festival which Netflix abstained from for all those years or was that Cannes? That's that's been Cannes. That it was Cannes. Okay. Cuz I was, okay. was going to say there's a lot of Netflix being played and filling in the uh, filling in the I guess the slots here at Venice, but Yeah, there get is. my wires crossed there.
0: Yeah, there is. No, Netflix mm. has a home
1: with Venice. Mm. Interesting. All right. Evil does not exist. Directed by Hirasuke Hamaguchi of Drive My Car. Set in a village close to Tokyo. One day, the village inhabitants become aware of a plan to build a glamping site. And I just looked this up and
0: learned this. Glamping is a portmanteau of glamorous and camping. It yeah. describes a style of camping with amenities and, in some cases, resort-style services not usually associated with traditional camping. That's from Wikipedia, which is this whole episode, and now I know what glamping is. Oh, I didn't and know there
1: was, there was a resort tied to it. Yeah. I mean, I, would you ever glamp? Well, I knew what glamping was. I didn't realize there was a resort aspect. <clears throat> but to my knowledge, glamping was basically getting a super, you know, over-packed... Wildly expensive RV and basically bringing a house to a camping site and calling it camping, but you're, you don't you have all the amenities of home and all the electronics and stuff. You're living like a king. I think no, I wouldn't because just go to a hotel.
0: (laughs) I would probably glamp before I would camp. That's not us. Can can go to hell. Yeah, that's not us. Like you guys know this. We're we're filmed. I'd rather sit in a room and watch a movie. Than be outside and bugs biting me and whatever's dirty and come yes. on you can't expect I mean all you uh, nature enthusiasts God bless you not for us necessarily though Michael I like going for walks yeah walks <laughs> that's good I could do a hike you know I Every saw another bear while. I saw another bear I texted you didn't I a bear ran across the road while I was driving yeah 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 you did you did it's like did. a yeah. it was like a boo boo it was like a you, yeah. you know a, a, a younger bear yeah.
1: Little guy, a coyote the other day, just kind of hanging out in my backyard, staring
0: at me. Ooh, that's scary because you got a little doggy, but your dog would kick a coyote's ass. I'm guessing.
1: Well, he'd at least try.
0: (laughs) He'd at least think he could. He would. He
1: would get a few shots in that bulldog. (laughs) <laughs> go on to uh, Fincher's latest, The Killer. Again, a Netflix offering here. Fastbender Tilda Swinton, November 10th release. After a fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal.
0: Hmm. I, look, Ferrari and The Killer were both shot by Oscar-winning cinematographer of Mank, Eric Messerschmidt, so we know we're going to get some beautiful looking uh, films here and it makes sense because mank and mesher schmidt have worked together before and yeah again heavy netflix netflix rolling deep mm-hmm. uh and that keeps going maestro will play venice bradley cooper carrie mulligan of course maestro is about leonard bernstein also uh we, or excuse me we also have uh matt bomer maya hawk sarah silverman we now know that maestro is 129 minutes long and we got a plot premise the complex love of leonard and felicia from the time they met in 1946 at a party and continuing through two engagements a 25-year marriage and three children do you think they
1: play uh end of the world by rem for the credits why (laughs) because the part in that song where they go Leonard Bernstein (laughs) oh yeah that's right that's good good deep pull deep pull thank you thank you I Uh Only the important stuff here at MMI. That's right. (laughs) right. Origin from co-writer and director Ava DuVernay and, of course, Netflix making an appearance again. Haven't heard from them yet. Uh, Ingenue Ellis-Taylor, Nisi nash Betts, John Bernthal, Vera Farmiga, Connie Nielsen, and Nick Offerman. It is based upon Caste. Cast. Cast? Caste? I think Cast. Passinger? Cast. Like the the cast system? Yeah. The origins... Of our discontents by Isabel Wilkerson, the premises promises that the film will discuss the unspoken system that has shaped America and chronicles how lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions. That sounds like an Ava DuVernay type of uh premise. There, that's intense. That's Take intense. something wildly intangible and important, and try to put it down into a uh, comprehensive film. She's good at that.
0: Otherwise, we have Poor Things, Yorgos Lanthimos, Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Yusuf, Jared Carmichael. We now know that Poor Things is an hour and 42 minutes on the long side there from Searchlight. Poor Things, of course, has been moved to December 8th from late September. And uh, not happy about it myself, but we'll, we'll have to deal. Does it give you hope for awards chances? But why is it moved?
1: It's moved. Or are they just abandoning because of the strike?
0: Yeah, I, I, it sounds like a strike thing. Yeah. Sounds like one of all the strike things, right? Mm. Anyway, Priscilla nah, 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 Sophia, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, Priscilla Coppola, so, Priscilla Coppola, <laughs> Sophia Coppola's film, Priscilla from A twenty four, starring Ka- Kylie Spiney, or Kaylee Spiney, one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, le- we gotta learn the pronunciations of these uh, probably o- Oscar nominated. Or Oscar-contending actresses. Jacob Elordi also stars as Elvis Presley himself. Priscilla is going to be 110 minutes long, so that's a nice little brief Oscar movie length there. So that's cool. It'll also be the New York Film Festival centerpiece on October 6th. I don't know if it got a date yet, but uh, Priscilla. I'm going to seek it out at New York. I I hope to see it there. Uh, Remember when the
1: remake of The Omen came out on June 6, 2006 because they wanted to do 666? You saw the the number 6 and you had to... Okay, No, I was thinking Jacob Elordi being the devil, to be completely honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that an advertisement from 2006 (laughs) has stuck in your
1: brain. I'll do you one better. Mm-hmm. When I saw the number 23 with Jim Carrey walking out of the theater, I, there was a poster for the Simpsons mm-hmm. movie coming out, and the Simpsons movie came out on 727 uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. And you know, on the number 23, everything added up to 23, and if you add up 727 and <laughs> seven, 7, you get 23.
0: <laughs> it must be the devil, you're right. Jacob Elordi yeah, so that piece is of shit the devil we have proven I hope it. we
1: have him on someday and i will cower i will cower immediately before him. what a talent
0: what a talent he must be all these great movies uh anyway the venice jury includes damien chazelle jane campion mia hansen love martin mcdonough and laura poitras uh we got a few out of competition notables starting with a new uh movie by
1: wes anderson michael We've never had two Wes Anderson films in one year before. I wouldn't think, right? I mean, he's I never. Don't think so? Yeah. Wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Chronicles a variety of stories, but the main one follows Henry Sugar, who is able to see through objects and predict the future with the help of a book he stole. This is from a Raoul Dahl book. It stars Benabil Gumbabool as Henry Sugar. Ray Fiennes as Raoul Dahl. Uh, Rupert Friend, Ben Kingsley, Dev Patel, and Richard. Ayo, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, boy! I oh, love him man. too. We are a, Yod- a Yod- and It's a yo day.
0: I know it's a yo day. We are batting, uh, like, uh, yeah. under the Mendoza line in this yeah. episode. <laughs> the, the British comedian there. God damn it. I so apologize, apparently, Richard. Uh, apparently, this is, like, short films. Like, this is four parts. Uh, uh, I mean, it's 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 a bunch of sinister tales, which is interesting, uh, for, for Wes Anderson. So, is he going to do, like, some kind of a horror-adjacent thing in Majigar here? Or? i, I tell know. you what.
1: I mean, well... October release date, first of all, but yeah. I would love to see a uh, Wes Anderson take on horror. Why not? Uh, I'm in. Uh, October
0: 13th, like you said. So that that's a little horror-adjacent. I'm yeah. rooting for it. I hope so. Anyway, speaking of horrifying dudes, Aggro Drift from Harmony Kareen. Harmony mm. Kareen is the horrifying dude. He's... Good God. He's got mm. a history. Uh, this mm-hmm. film stars Travis Scott and Jordy Mala of Bad Boys 2 and Blow. So can't find much on agro drift after announcing his directorial debut alongside harmony kareen on circus maximus earlier this week travis scott and a24 have another film collaboration on the way slated to hit the big screen at the 2023 venice film festival entitled agro drift the 80 minute film was directed by Korine and features scott in the starring role that is all i know from the rap what the hell could this be michael
1: so is is there a second Travis Scott A24 film? Because the rumor was there was a Travis Scott A24 film that was shot and produced and is never going to be seen. Well, Circus Maximus just, like,
0: surprise! Here's a, here's a movie, and we're giving it a, wi- a wide-ish release. And then here's the next one. A24 is just putting it in theaters. Like, mm. is A24 just going to start surprising us with films? <laughs> be. I, it's just strange. I... I and they're usually so metic- you know meticulous about marketing and keeping stuff out in long windows and theaters and did you watch guts as a kid i did where is this i mean we only have 174 movies left come on come on will you tell me where you think i'm I th- going with this i don't know i don't come on guts yes, you do. Yeah. What what was Guts? I can't even remember. Guts was like the American gladiators, but yep. for kids, right? Yep. Okay.
1: And what was the what was the big finale at the end of every guts episode? Did it involve slime? No. You had to climb the aggro crag. The aggro crag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see. <laughs>
0: so the this is Travis Scott climbing Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> for a 24 go down the, to mo collins with or Nemo no with the rules and the Moe. director of gummo mm-hmm. is that is that the, the director of kids right harmony green yes yes oh, and, and gummo Christ. i think i think you're right Ugh. I, yeah. I talk about a movie i had to shut off like immediately <laughs> both of them are just uh gummo i mean gummo. kids was a rough set but gummo yeah. was that was that got turned off uh
1: Alright, let's talk about William Friedkin now McCain Mutiny Court Martial William Friedkin's uh, starring Kiefer Sutherland Jason Clark, Lance Reddick and Jay Duplass follows a naval officer who stands trial for mutiny after taking command from a ship captain he feels is acting in an unstable way putting in danger both the ship and its crew Can't Jason Clark just
0: be a good guy for once? <laughs> Can't he, like Do you think he's a lawyer here? Do you think he's got the big white British hat on? For this he, one? Well, if he
1: is, he's he's definitely the defense lawyer, right? Or no, he's got it. Well, yeah, who are we rooting for? So are we, are we rooting for. I the... don't remember
0: the Kane mutiny. Yeah. I just Remember Anthony Hopkins and somebody else. Hmm. Re- remaking? No, Anthony Hopkins. I can't remember. Good God! But <laughs> I have not been a fan of the last two William Friedkin movies: The Devil and Father Amorth. Talk about a movie that just I shut that off out of. I just couldn't watch it anymore. It was so bad. And then Killer Joe was so disgusting. D- ugh. Did you watch that?
1: No, but listening to you shutting off these movies, I don't understand how you have it in you to watch everything like you do. I try, but I don't. No, this is commendable.
0: I try and I don't. Anyway, we have uh, notable Tiff
1: galas, Michael. Uh, A bunch of movies now, hopefully getting away from Venice. Dumb Money is going to be one of them. That's obviously something we've talked about. We have Oscars Hopes for Craig Gillespie's coming to theaters on the twenty second of September. Paul Dano, Shano, Shailene Woodley, Seth Rogen, American Ferrera. We've previewed this one a billion times.
0: Dare I jinx them? Dumb Money was one as a Sony film, and mm-hmm. Sony moved everything else, but left Dumb Money there. Can we hope that Dumb Money stays in late September? You would think if they were going to move it, they would have moved it with everything else. They better not move it. I
1: I hope they keep it there, my friend. I got nothing. I was trying to think of a punchline, but I couldn't land on anything. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> are you cutting it? Or are you? you no, 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 no. That's staying it. Oh, that great. is gold. You don't you don't move on from stuff like that. The end we start the from next, is next. <laughs> the next text is bold. You're
0: supposed to take it, aren't you? What, guys? If, if you don't know that we oh, have the, text yeah, yeah, here no, that's yeah. bold and non-bold, <laughs> yeah, and one of us is supposed to take the bold text.
1: Yeah, no, I was, us... I was, I was waiting for a reaction from you about the punchline thing, but you didn't give me one. So now we just have to sit in that silence. <laughs> I thought you were just dead air. Here we go.
0: Again, we only have 354 <laughs> movies left. <laughs> the end
1: we start from starring Jodie Comer, Catherine Waterston. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch has to stop making movies, or I need to start writing down improv names for his name. Mm. But he's in this, too. Mark Strong, written by Alice Birch, who did Lady Macbeth. Uh, the film directorial debut of Bahalia Bello, a woman who, along with her newborn, try to find their way home as environmental crises that submerges London in floodwaters and sees a young family torn apart in the chaos. Good God.
0: WTF. Um, huh? But I don't know if you're supposed to end sentences with prepositions, but is a movie title <laughs> a sentence? Otherwise, I'm in for Alice Birch scripts. Lady Macbeth and The Wonder were both very strong stories. And no, the uncle didn't do it, or the nun uh, surprised me, and I was left with a, a, a fun movie to watch where I could not guess the ending of The Wonder. So There's the
1: Florence Pugh, starving. Uh, that's nun one, right? Yeah, yeah, she's been in two
0: of uh, Alex Birch's scripts there, and it's uh, surprising that she's not in this one. All right. This, this uh, yeah, this is the non-bold holds. script I'm supposed to read. <laughs> <laughs> we have Lee starring Kate Winslet, Marion Cotillard, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Andrea Riseborough, uh, Josh O'Connor, Andy Samberg, and Noemi Merlon, uh, directed by Ellen Karras, cinematographer turned director of He Got Game, Summer of Sand, Blow, Eternal Sunshine. Of course, she's a DP for those. This, I believe, is one of her first directorial efforts i didn't write that down maybe it's maybe she's done a few things i think she maybe have done some tv but we have a plot premise for lee lee miller goes from a career as a glamour model to enlisting as a photographer to chronicle the events of world war ii for vogue magazine lee is going to be 116 minutes long and you have some high oscar hopes for this film michael
1: yeah i i I mean How can you not, right? Winslet, Marion Cotillard, it's got a great cast. Uh, We just saw what Reesborough did with her Oscar hopes uh, last time around last year. Uh, You have Ellen Karras. This is her directorial debut, but she's been attached to a lot of big names behind the camera already. So, and it's the war movie. It's got decent odds out there that we talked about just last episode with David Long in our uh, summer gambling preview series. Yeah, hopeful.
0: Yeah, speaking of some irresistible odds, next goal wins from Taika Waititi. We now know a few things about it. Searchlight Pictures uh, is going to have a 97-minute runtime. Now, is that too short, do you think, mm. for an Oscar-winning Best Picture, perhaps? Mm-hmm anyway i, I we'd love the trailer of it we were suspicious of the story but it kind of delighted us in its trailer and listen to the premise here of next goal wins the story of the infamously terrible america samoa soccer team known for a brutal 2001 fifa match they lost 31 to nothing <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like i'm kind of hopeful here i'm excited jojo rabbit was only 11 minutes longer really yeah so
1: it's got a this, this is this has a fighting fighting chance, I would say.
0: Some people are saying, I've been reading reading old Twitter, and they're like, maybe bet on Go wins now because Go wins
1: could take TIFF,
0: and then what are those odds going to do?
1: If you do that, and then maybe you you cling to the hope that the Academy just likes the shorter, charming movie in the year of so many three hour epics. I mean, yeah. you got uh, you know, we'll, we'll just Oppenheimer and spin, uh. uh flower mood coming out and stuff like that so who knows shout out edward douglas i think he was gonna sprinkle uh nyad from netflix the remarkable true story of marathon swimmer diana nyad who at the age of 64 became the first person to complete the everest of swims a 53 hour 110 mile swim from cuba to florida through dangerous open ocean without a shark cage
0: Starring Annette Benning as Diana Nyad.
1: So how far does
0: this woman have to swim to finally <laughs> win her first Oscar? For the love of God, people. Hillary Swank is not going to be nominated this year, I don't think, anyway. Unless Ordinary Angels is much better for Lionsgate. It has a nice nice premise there. Otherwise, Jodie Foster is her coach. I love the directing duo here, Elizabeth Chai, Vassar and Jimmy Chin. The documentarians of Free Solo, The Rescue, Mayru, etc etc just got announced this morning that it's going to get a november 3rd release from netflix michael hey this could be this could be a player
1: everybody's going to be looking out for her performance there we just talked about how both actress categories seem to be more open than open. the actor ones do right now anyway so absolutely so keep an eye on for sure uh, the and, royal and by, Hotel. by the way sorry
0: mike uh regina king dropped out Shirley's not coming
1: out this year mm. from netflix Mm. I can't wait to do our 75% accurate because I have a lot of uh, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of my nominees have been pushed (laughs) so that
0: your hubris is that we're still 100% accurate. Were you angry with me the first time I brought that up,
1: that we would be actually less
0: accurate than the first time?
1: Uh, No. What? I'm angry with you just in general. I don't understand what you're what, what you're even referencing.
0: I'm just trying to get your goat, man. I'm just trying to... When
1: did you... I don't know what you're... I don't know what you're talking about.
0: You picked Regina King the mm-hmm. first time, so you're obviously less than 100% accurate in your first...
1: No, that's not true. She could. She's still she, going to be nominated, just not oh, this year. Next year. Yeah, okay. Right. Like how we picked Will Smith for eight years in a row. That's true. <laughs> we did pick him two years
0: early. Right, so... Our powers... That's correct. I'm just yeah. forgetting. I'm losing my way. I'm like... I mean, when you st- stare into the mirror... Yeah. Kate Blanchett gives you the mirror, mm-hmm. and you're a hobbit like me, and you <laughs> stare into the mirror. You don't know wh- what you're looking at and when it
1: comes from, but it's um, it's truthful. You make these uh, analogies sometimes, and it's like, I have no idea where that plane is supposed to land. And But you bring we it in. You bring reviewed, it home. We reviewed <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring together.
0: Yeah, years ago. Years, but it's still... The two of us for okay. but for hours. But like like if we review something and it takes four hours to do it,
1: shouldn't you shouldn't you have a memory? I don't think of we it? did it for hours. I think it was a long episode, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't, I clearly, clearly do not remember her. Uh, what an episode The <laughs> Royal Hotel Directed by Kitty Green The assistant casting John Bonet uh, stars Julia Garner Jessica Henwick and Hugo Weaving Two young backpackers uh, Hannah and Liv take a job At the Royal Hotel in Australian Outback Bar run by Billy
0: Is there any way that like this could Be the untitled Sequel to Cocktail <laughs> There's no way Right <laughs> That was in Australia. Tom Cruise, like Julia Garner, Jessica Henwick. Can't they be spinning bottles, dancing the eighty? You know, just turning the light switch on. And
1: off? Oh, that was risky business. No, addicted never mind.
0: To well, addicted to love was the big song, and it kept flicking the light switches. Hey, can't this be that? No, I mean this is Kitty Green of the assistant casting John Benet. Like you said, uh, she's that, that was haunting stuff, the assistant. So I am
1: in such a Robert Palmer phase, by the way. Oh. <laughs> like, not even. I, I I listen to Addicted to Love probably daily. And Power Station, which was the super group he was in before he came out with that Addicted to Love CD, oh my God. Uh, they did a cover of Bang the Gong. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good.
0: All right. Uh, I did not know this. I would not have <laughs> expected a Robert Palmer phase. Off you right now. Anyway, we'll go move into the uh, tip special presentations list. It's a 17
1: hour episode.
0: Yeah, it's only 49 (laughs) films long here. Uh, American fiction, directed by TV writer Core Jefferson, of Watchmen Succession, The Good Wife, Master of None, etc. American fiction stars Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, Sterling K. Brown, Issa Rae from MGM and Orion Pictures. Here's the premise. English professor and author, Thelonious Monk Ellison, writes a satirical novel under a pseudonym with the intent to expose the hypocrisies of the publishing industry. Just received a November
1: 3rd release date, Michael, from Orion and MGM. Orion and MGM, so do we think that's going to go to theaters, or is it going to go straight to Prime? I think it's going to theaters. Interesting. Interesting. That is a that is a very talented cast, and that is a premise that intrigues me. I, I I enjoy all of that. I will be keeping my eye out for that one.
0: Next film here is The Burial, starring Jamie Foxx, Tommy Lee Jones, Journey Smollett, and this is again Amazon with a budget of forty seven point seven million. That was an wow. interesting Uh, thing to note there. Written and directed by Maggie Betts of the film Novitiate, starring uh, Margaret Qualley there a couple years ago. You remember Mm -hmm. Novitiate? The burial is inspired by true events uh, where a lawyer helps a funeral home uh, owner save his family business from a corporate behemoth exposing a complex web of race, power, and injustice. This is a legal drama uh, basically uh, set on the real story of lawyer lawyer Willie E. Gary and his client Jeremiah Joseph O'Keefe about uh, against the Lowen Funeral Company as documented hmm. in a 1999 New
1: Yorker article uh, of the same name by Jonathan Haar. wonder if we're going to get a courtroom drama here or if this is just going to be a man on the street type thing hmm. Aaron Brockovich saving the uh, saving the townspeople or helping the townspeople anyway. Could be. Interesting. Hmm. The dead don't hurt. I guess. Directed and starring Viggo Mortensen. If you say so. Vicky, I'll take your word for it. Vicky Krapes, Danny Houston. In the 1860s, French-Canadian Vivienne Lekoudi falls in love with Danish immigrant to North America Holger Olsen in San Francisco. That's a weirdly worded sentence. But mm. they are separated and kept apart by the Civil War. They should really read these premises aloud before they write them down.
0: <laughs> shouldn't they, Michael? Uh, I mean, but this is poor grammar, I think. This was not the premise I would have expected mm-hmm. from The Dead Don't Hurt. All no. I could think of when I read that title was Pain Don't Hurt from Roadhouse.
1: Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah, but what about what was the one that a couple years ago that Adam Driver was in? Bill Murray was in it. The Dead Don't Die. Yeah. Jim yeah. Jarmusch. Right.
0: So, this is the dead don't hurt. Yeah. So, we now we now know the dead don't die and they There's don't. There's a hurt. song
1: from a band called The Ever After. It's called The Dead Don't Want You Yet. That's very good, too. Oh. You see? So, oh. if you are looking for a little triple feature at home, we're a Vigo. Three things that have nothing to do with
0: each other. We're a pro Vigo podcast, we're a pro yeah. Vicky Creeps podcast. Absolutely. So, I guess we're hoping it's an anti Civil War, though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anti Civil War romance. Anti romance. Are you a? F- uh, remember Cold Mountain? Neither <laughs> do, do I. I. Yes. Neither I do I.
1: <laughs> I. Renee Zellweger's Oscar. She's, very good, yeah. She's yeah.
0: very good. She's very good. It wasn't a bad movie. I just remember buying that DVD and never watching it again. Seventy-five hours. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Ezra. What's longer, Cold Mountain or this episode?
0: <laughs> this episode, Ezra, directed <laughs> by Tony Goldwyn. Wow. Now, Tony Goldwyn is the. Oppenheimer actor, and he is the judge or the the hearing whatever overseer in the FBI yep. case. So he's the middle guy, uh, starring Bobby Cannavale, Ro- uh, Robert De, De-, De Niro. Robert D. Niro, uh, Rose Byrne, Vera Farmiga, Rain Wilson, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra follows Max Brandel, who blows up his successful career and marriage to become a somewhat less successful stand-up comic. What is so you have a so a somewhat less successful stand-up comic? That's that's kind of a funny title. I did not expect that.
1: You can't call something Ezra without having good by better than Ezra in it, can you? <laughs> What is happening? I, I, wow. I agree. You know
0: what? Uh,
1: you know what? You, you you talk some sense. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Fingernails starring Riz on that. Jesse Buckley, Jeremy Allen White, Annie Murphy. This is from Apple. A woman begins working at an institute that works to determine if the romance in a given couple is genuine. What is Apple's obsession with these meta type hmm institutions that like the, the everything's from the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind vanilla sky type corporation they like these uh, sci-fi adjacent properties I mm.
0: think but but what did you know speaking of Oppenheimer what did he say only a complete fool or an adolescent presumes to know someone else's relationship there you go huh there Jeremy Allen
1: White <laughs> don't know what more evidence you need
0: Ariz <laughs> Ahmed who am I blaming alright alright uh, uh, the Holdovers, we got a trailer for this. What did you think of the Holdovers trailer, Michael, starring Paul Giamatti and Divine Joey Randolph? I'm not even going to mention the filmmaker. We've trashed enough filmmakers mm. in this episode. What do you um,
1: think? Like I said, it, it looks, it certainly, there's something about the vibe of it. I mean, this is so subjective, but it, it speaks to like an Oscars. I could absolutely see this having an Oscars day. I don't know if it's because of the way it's shot in that old-timey film type of way, but I, there's something very simplistic Mm-hmm. About this that has lent itself usually to Oscars success. Now whether that's the callbacks to uh, what's the uh, now I can't remember the Robin Williams movie back in the day. Oh, to Dead Poets Society. Yeah, Dead Poets Society, something like that. Uh, the boys' school type motif there, and the mm. the bastard teacher with a heart of gold. The, mm. had, you know Edward James almost role from uh, Stand and Deliver back in the day. There's a lot of like Oscary <laughs> type things that are going on with this. I feel like. Well, these filmmakers have done
0: some Oscar-y type things Mm. with Sideways Descendants and Nebraska. Paul Giamatti getting picked by some heavy hitters in the Oscar punditry space like Clayton Davis to win 10-27-23 October 27th from Focus Features so the holdovers could be making some hay. But yeah, I would agree. This feels like a nomination by the Academy in circa 1998. We'll see if -hmm. it's... 2023 slash 2024 or whenever these Oscars take place it could be next June uh Knox goes away this is about this is... the former New York Nick Kevin Knox Kevin Knox. Uh, I love that we traded him and I really am still mad at you for telling me that it was a great pick when well, it happened
1: if he was if he was on a better team he would have developed
0: <laughs> what a terrible player anyway he's he's gone poof out of the league and uh Tom Thibodeau was right. Uh what are we talking about? We're talking about Knox Goes Away, directed by Michael Keaton, starring Keaton, James Marsden, Marsha Gay Harden, Joanna Kulig, and Al Pacino. This is a neo noir thriller. Knox goes goes away has the premise of a contract killer who is diagnosed with a fast moving form of dementia, has an opportunity to
1: redeem himself by saving the life of his estranged adult son. I can't believe how many movies we have left to go in this episode. we got to pick up the pace a little bit. I blame you. Less Indesirables, (laughs) directed by Ladj Lai, who did Les Miserables in 2018, Oscar nom for international feature, which we talked about at length back in the day. A local activist and a budding young mayor clash over the best path forward for their impoverished suburb. Shouldn't it be Les Indesirables? a joke <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, this guy makes good movies and he produces good movies like Athena so this will be very intense and, and hopefully very good we have North Star Michael Kristen
1: Scott Thomas is the director of this one So you know she was looking very serious on set Starring Scarlett Johansson, Frida Pinto, Sienna Miller, and KST Three sisters return to their home For the third wedding of their twice widowed mother But the mother and daughters are forced to revisit the past And confront the future with help From a colorful group of unexpected wedding guests
0: so she killed her last two husbands, and now she's gonna <laughs> kill the third, and it's hilarious. And 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 wait a minute, no, maybe the uncle did it. Mm-hmm. The uncle did it.
1: Of course, we go with that because <laughs> he was always in love with her, and he wanted her for himself. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Now that that actually seems like a fun premise, Chris and Scott Thomas about a, a wedding and all the kooky characters. I'm in for that. I'm in for what what's that what's that movie titled North Star? Okay. Ezra. Oh. No, North Star. All right, we'll move on to One Life <laughs> starring Anthony Hopkins, Helena Bonham Carter, Lena Olin, and uh, Jonathan Price. We got a reunion of the two popes here. One Everybody Life. was clamoring for it.
1: All One those Life. teens who
0: wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Gen Z got their wish. One Life uh, <laughs> follows British humanitarian Nicholas Winton, who's actually a beautiful hum- human being because he helped save hundreds of children from the Nazis on the eve of World War II. You like how I pronounced them like. Chef in South Park, Children's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got <laughs> pain hustlers, from David Yates, who's done the, some of the Harry Potters starring Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Andy Garcia, Catherine O'Hara, Jay Dupless. Hey, look, Netflix going to be a tiff. This has a release date around Halloween of October 27th. High school dropout, Liza Drake lands a job with a failing pharmaceutical startup in a yellowing strip mall in Central Florida, where she soon finds herself at the center of a criminal conspiracy with deadly consequences. I am intrigued by that premise. Why not? Late October
0: release, so maybe this is more Oscar-y than we thought. Maybe Catherine O'Hara can get a supporting actress nominated nomination that. let's go uh the peasants this is a polish animated film from the directors of loving vincent oscar nominated loving vincent uh from dk and hugh welchman using a team of animators and painters who work by hand kobiela adapts a nobel prize winning novel uh, about an early 20th uh early of 20th century Polish peasant woman who creates havoc by marrying an older rich man. Okay.
1: Pierogies. <laughs> You're the Polish uh, I think podcaster. I'm having Kabasi and pierogies for dinner tonight as a matter of fact. There you so, go. Staying true to my heritage there. Good. Uh, give this the Oscar. Pool Man, directed and starring Chris Pine, a man tending to the swimming pool uncovers a sizable water heist, one in the same vein as Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and
0: some young upstart may or may not have spat on him I, I, you didn't read that second half yeah, no bad. Pool Man, uh, look Chris Pine, these these stills are hilarious all of, of him just basically looking like the dude from The Big Lebowski <laughs> so I cannot wait to see Pool Man it also stars Annette Bening, Danny DeVito, Ariana DeBose and Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, let's get back to the Netflix heavy hitters. We have Rustin, directed by George C. Wolf of Ma Rainey, starring, of course, Coleman Domingo as Bayard Rustin, a gay civil rights activist who organized the 1963 March on Washington. Rustin also stars Chris Rock, Glenn Terman, Divine Joy Randolph, Michael Potts, Jeffrey Wright, and Audra McDonald. And we now know Rustin is getting a November 17th release from Netflix. Michael Howe. How possible is it that we are going to get the uh four acting winners playing at TIFF this year? Give me a probability. Uh, 14%. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Just <laughs> <laughs> trying to be optimistic. Seven Veils directed by Egoyan, Adam Egoyen, Adam Agoyan. sweeter after uh Chloe Starring Amanda Seyfried, uh, who has notably gotten a waiver, I believe, to promote this film, Seven Veils, uh, amid the strike. Plot premise reads, an earnest theater director has the task of remounting her former mentor's most famous work, the opera Salome. Some disturbing memories from her past
1: will allow her rep- uh, repressed trauma to color the premise- uh, present. Seems a little, little heavy-handed there, very serious premise. We'll see how that turns out.
0: How about this one, Michael? You you read this one. You tell me if this one tickles your fancy. This one sounded interesting to me.
1: Wicked Little Letters. Based on a true story, residents of 1920s Little Hampton begin to receive obscene letters from an unknown source, prompting a group of women to find the source. Stars Olivia Colman, Jesse Buckley, Joanna Scanlon, and Timothy Spall. That's essentially the premise of uh, Pretty Little Liars. Is it? Kind of. Oh. There's a dead body involved in Pretty Little Liars. I watched it. I watched the entire series. I'm not going to lie about on Did that. you really? On, uh, ABC did. Family. Yeah.
0: I'm learning so much about you in this episode. Mm-hmm. I had no idea you were a Pretty Little Liars guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, mm. basically, you are, you are into this premise. I thought you would be. I had a feeling. Yeah. yeah. I like death and suspicion. Wicked Little Letters. All right, we'll move on to Wildcat, co-written and directed by Ethan Hawke. Follows the life of writer Flannery O'Connor while she was struggling to publish her first novel. Wildcat stars Maya Hawke, and now I'm, I'm in. We have uh-huh. Ethan Hawke directing his daughter Maya Hawke playing Flannery O'Connor alongside of Laura Linney, Steve Zahn, Alessandro Nivola, Vincent D'Onofrio,
1: and Cooper Hoffman of Licorice Pizza. I'm in I'm in for that one too there's a lot of great casts I, I think I made this point last year too, talking about tiff but tiff always seems to get the ones with like the great coll- best collections of talent
0: yeah it'd be, you know what would be cool if they like can go there and promote it and we can all go
1: <laughs> <laughs> and watch them no mm. can't have it all can we women of the hour Starring Anna Kendrick and Tony (laughs) Hale, 1978 serial killer Rodney Alcala appeared. I've heard about this. This is the dating game one. Yeah. Appeared on the dating game and won a date with Bachelorette Cheryl Bradshaw. At the time, Alcala had murdered five women and his strange facade during the episode later nicknamed the dating game killer. There's the uh, you could find the actual clip of him on the dating game on YouTube still. I want to ask you premise
0: of the festivals. Is this the leader right now? Woman of the hour? because this it's is up this... There, yeah but i have a i have a sick fascination with that true story anyway anyway there's one documentary here that might beat it it's not this one hate to love nickelback I disagree <laughs> <laughs> documentaries now uh this is actually getting a gala an intimate porch it's about nickelback
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> is it gonna be fun we'll see. Look, look nickelback for like they get they catch a lot of shit but they've done their the media rounds they're respectable guys they they seem cool and laid back and they're in on the joke they understand the hate they don't you know they just kind of roll with it they, is, I've, I've gotten some respect for them is every band every celebrity every public figure just getting an
0: autobiographical documentary made about them now is yes. that's what ha- that's what yes. is happening pretty much yes because that's what documentaries have been of late and I, look i don't complain often about documentaries as often as i should but that's what's been happening like, I would rather this next one, Copa 71, about the first unofficial Women's World Cup in Mexico City in 1971. You'd rather uh, watch that than a Nickelback documentary? Yeah.
1: Well,
0: I know, mean, we but, all have our preferences. Anyway, we have In Restless <laughs> Dreams, the music of Paul Simon. We have Mountain Queen, about a mountain climber from uh, Oscar nom- nominee Lucy Walk- Walker. I, I kind of gave up at the end of this <laughs> about a mo- Mount Queen about a mountain climber, <laughs> Oscar director. Uh, we have Defiant, uh, which uh, is about Ukraine's foreign minister, uh, Dmitro Dmit- excuse me Kaleba, uh, and that that seems intense. Of course, uh, Flipside. It's about saving a New Jersey record store. Michael produced by Judd Apatow, and then this. Might be the well. Let me get rid of this one first. Sorry, not sorry about Louis C.K. about the scandal from the perspective of the accusers. I was reading about that. That's that's something that's going to be appointment viewing for us. Otherwise, listen to this. We have the (laughs) we have the contestant about a bizarre Japanese reality show where a man named Nasubi is confined to a room naked and left there for a year. He had to fill out magazine sweepstakes coupons <laughs>
1: to get enough food and clothing to survive. What <laughs> the hell does that mean? So he had to fill out, was the sweepstakes for food and clothing? Or as, like, they would feed him if he filled out these random sweepstakes so he would get pestered with junk mail for the rest of his life? It says he becomes, like, this national celebrity while he's, he's in there,
0: you know, performing this reality show and just trying to survive. The contestant.
1: I'm. I, I could live in my room naked for a year if I had food and clothing. <laughs> but I think I'd need internet access at some point. Does he have that? I have no idea. I I, I know as much as you.
0: His magazines. I have to get you my people in out. contact with this uh, production company. <laughs> what a lineup we have, folks
1: tiff has done it again god damn it
0: <laughs> well what's the premise of the episode do you did you have one that you were referring back to <laughs> the,
1: the naked contestant is pretty good that's
0: pretty good pretty right good yeah yeah so i brought it up
1: yeah, yeah you did a good job there good job <laughs> by you <laughs>
0: wicked little letters or the contestant my mm. god
1: mm. not priscilla stuff. i'll tell you that much <laughs> what? How is it? Oh. He knows what he's done.
0: <laughs> he. Remember, but you didn't say this about Jenica Henwick. Je- Jessica Henwick, excuse me. Mm-hmm. She was in like 17 movies two years ago, wasn't she? Wasn't she? I think, the Matrix.
1: I think there's a, uh, mm-hmm. I think I had an ex who once said how hot she thought Jes- Jacob Elordi was, and I haven't let that go. Oh, I think that's where this is. I think that's where this is all stemming from. But now it's a bit, and I gotta be
0: married to it. There it is. Now we know. (laughs) And what a petty grudge at the (laughs) at the nexus at the at the center of the. The good news is
1: nobody's ever gonna hear that because there's it's impossible anyone made it this far into this specific episode. (laughs) That's right.
0: Not even our mothers are listening. So that's it.
1: uh, we should just end it. What if we just hit stop right now? <laughs> didn't do the outro, <laughs> guys. As always, we want to hear from you, your thoughts on the festival lineups, your thoughts on how Venice is treating those three controversial directors oh, as well. That's what matters most to us. You can leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com. And on Reddit, we are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or SoundCloud app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us, it's five star review. Those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. I had to get through that quickly because I was stifling laughter the entire time thinking about us just hitting stop and just putting the episode. <laughs> out as is. That'd be hilarious. But Mike, tell the good people what's coming next. and Let's have some words of wisdom.
0: Well, even if these Oscar contending films aren't coming out in American theaters, uh, they will be premiering. Uh, overseas, and they will be premiering outside of the U.S. at these film festivals. So we will be covering that. We are we're also getting the New York Film Festival lineup sometime soon. I think next week, sometime is my guess. Uh, London Film Festival will follow, and like I said, TIFF they'll probably announce some more stuff like the Midnight Section, etc. Uh, otherwise, uh, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We got Talk to Me. We're gonna review them in some way, shape, or form. Probably in the next episode of Oscar Race Checkpoint. And uh, as you can tell today, even if these movies aren't released in theaters, these Oscar contenders, we're just gonna make our own fun. We're gonna make our own fun. <laughs> we're gonna make shit up. We're gonna we're get goofy. <laughs> no, we got a lot of cool stuff planned. We're gonna do our summer Oscars, uh, summer Oscars uh, series. It's gonna be a full series, and it's gonna be glorious. Seventy-five percent accurate mm-hmm. predictions. The uh, summer, literally the summer Oscars, where we just nominate stuff and give it a fake awards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love those fake. When was the last time we did a fake award show? It's I live for these. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that too. Do I am I supposed to say something
1: wise? Yeah, sure. I don't think I have it. I do you have anything wise for once? Sometimes it's wise to know that what you have is unwise. Those are your words of wisdom. (laughs) Wow, that's deep. Deep cut. You're right. I'm gonna hate us when I edit this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Guys, when reality sucks, you can cut deep with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. You can aid us with us, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.